Hey listeners, so you are listening to a True Crime Spaghetti Heads. Today, we are going to be talking about a BAMF. If you don't know what that is, it's a really, really... She a badass She's mother, a... mother something. She is, yeah. So... Mother something. <laughs> so one thing um, that most of you probably don't know, or I guess most of you probably do because all of you that listen to us know us, um, I am absolutely obsessed with true crime, um, anything spooky, I watch way too much Dateline. Um, literally, Matt, like I could be cooking and Matt will walk in the kitchen and I get, I, I get scared. Like I, you spook but I easy. Love, you spook. I, I do spook easy, but I just love, I love scary stuff. So um, one thing that I wanted to do with this podcast was kind of incorporate that just here and there, sprinkle it in when we could. Hey listeners, this is Elizabeth popping in to give you a quick warning that this episode may not be suitable for people that are sensitive to hearing details about violent or sex-related crimes. Um, so, Julie, are you ready? I'm ready. I want to be, I want to be, are you scared? I want to be scared. Are you scared? Scared me. Okay. Make me afraid to talk to strangers. That is my goal. Oh, okay. No, that's I talk to so many strangers. (gasps) I know you're really bad about that, especially yeah, like know. in the checkout line. Um, yeah. Okay. Oh so making friends. Do you everywhere. do you have a drink? Are you ready? I always. I'm. Do you do we hear my ice? My ice is melting, but like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. We're good. Okay. Great. So, on May seventeenth, nineteen sixty three, Mary Vincent was born, the middle of seven children to a military family. Um, our that story. That sounds scary enough. That sounds like a nightmare. So, uh, September 1978 is actually where our story takes place. Mary Vincent is 15 years old and living with her parents in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, she's a promised dancer. At age 15, she had actually already worked front stage at the Lido de Paris in Las Vegas and then in Australia and Hawaii, both front stage. So, she had a promising future, very, very beautiful young girl. In September of 1978, Mary decides she needs some space. So there was actually some conflicting information in my sources on why Mary ran away from home. One source said that her parents um, were in the process of actually going through a divorce and she needed some alone time. And then another source said that her sister had warned her that I guess her dad was on his way home from work and that he was upset with her. So not sure why she left, but regardless, she left. And she actually spent a few nights with her boyfriend in Sausalito, California. So my guess is that she left Nevada and um, hitchhiked the short distance over to Sausalito and spent just a few nights with her boyfriend at the time. How old was she? Sorry? How old was Mary at this 15. time? 15. 15. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I know. Okay. Yeah. So, okay, and And after spending a few nights with her boyfriend, so she decides that her end goal is actually to go to her grandfather's and her grandfather lives in a town near Las Vegas. So that was her end destination. But some sources actually read that he lived in Corona, California, but we'll just call it LA. Um, and 
I actually did some research on this because I thought the same thing. I had the same reaction. I was like, okay, so she's just like hitchhiking everywhere, right? So in the 1970s, it was really common to hitchhike. Um, in the 1960s, hitchhiking was in its peak in America, but it started to decrease in the 70s, but it was still a very popular means of travel for people that either didn't have access to public transportation, preferred not to use tra- public transportation, or were just very trusting, like her, 15 years old, obviously. I feel she's... like there was such a culture, like, in the 60s of just, like, peace, love, and happiness, man. Like, I'll pick you up. I'll take yeah, you where you I'll need to go. You. Like, come exactly. on, buddy. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, and that's... maybe that was just, like, where she was getting it from. That was the mindset, absolutely. So, yeah. Mary's in Sausalito, um, hitchhiking for a ride to her grandfather's place in near Los Angeles. She and a few others that were hitchhiking together to a similar de- destination, they all make it to Berkeley, California, where their stop, like, their that ride stops. So they're in Berkeley, California, waiting on another ride, hitchhiking again. So now she's in, she's going to be in her third car, going to her grandfather's hitchhiking. Unfortunately, this is when Mary meets Larry Singleton as he pulls up beside her in his blue van. I'm going to let you take a sip really quick. Yeah. Not not feeling Larry. Mm-mm. So Lawrence Singleton. Lawrence. Lawrence. He was born July 28th, 1927 in Tampa, Florida. Larry grew up in Florida and then later became a merchant mariner. Um, There wasn't much backstory on his family or his home life growing up. Most of the information that I could find started when he became a merchant mariner and then after that, along with his criminal record. Um, On the afternoon of September 20th... Floridians. No, they're bad. (laughs) (laughs) They're really bad. On the afternoon of September 29th, 1978, Larry Singleton is driving through Berkeley, California and stops to pick up Mary. Although his van is completely empty except for himself he claims that there's only room for one of the hitchhikers in their bag let me get this straight mary's like with some friends hitchhiking together and lawrence stops and he's like yo i got room for one of yous it was probably more like i only got room for one of yous and it, but he yeah. probably pointed creepily to mary like that's one yeah exactly that's what i was imagining so and let me let me just interject while you're putting this vision in your head. He was wearing blue overalls. Like old man wearing overalls in a van. Sounds like a relative or two I have. Only got room for one he is. Yeah. So the other hitchhikers that Mary was with asked her not to get in the van with him. Um, snaps they, for them those yeah, are the I know I know yeah absolutely we at least ask, I mean usually we body block our friends from getting into vans <laughs> with men named Larry and Blue Overalls I would take you down like you would be injured I would knock you right out I would <laughs> I would be like sorry I will revive you with some smelling salts absolutely you out your mind girl uh, yeah. I, I also also I'd love you I would probably volunteer as tribute and then I'd punch you in the face <laughs> <laughs> in order to stop you from going and then I would have to like run away carrying you which I can't do only because I'm not an athlete there's a lot of different scenarios but yeah. yes all of them would work so um again the other hitchhikers tell her like this is not a good situation like we're getting the heebie-jeebies from it so please don't get in the van 
So Mary's looking at this guy and she sees a 50 year old man, blue overalls, realizing that he somewhat kind of reminded her of her grandfather in a way. I read that somewhere. So she, in her head, was thinking, like, whatever, he's harmless. Like, he must just be, like, super particular about people riding in the back seat versus the front seat. I don't know what she was thinking. But she gets in the van. Um, while she's riding with Singleton, Mary felt no immediate danger, obviously. And she actually allowed herself to fall asleep while he was driving. So, like, I'm not going to victim blame, but, like, that is just, that's just not the smartest decision she could have made post-hitchhiking. I mean... That's my personal opinion. Yeah, I'm with you. We we don't victim blame, but we don't get into cars with strangers. And then fall asleep. Any of it. Yeah. The hitchhiking alone is a bad is a bad choice. I know. But I guess we could say In it's a different... In the 70s. I, I was yeah. going to say, I guess we could say it was a different time. And if you're already the kind of person that is hitchhiking... Then yeah, I mean you're already like a naive or not naive. Well, I'm naive, so when I say, <laughs> when I call people naive, I'm you know I identify as naive, like very very naive, um, and very trusting actually. You I'm are like, yeah, trust <clears throat> trusting to a point of fault, and that makes me naive. But I would still not get into a van with a man named Larry wearing blue overalls, and definitely would not take a nap once I did. No, so so she's taking a nap and then when she woke up she realized that singleton wasn't driving in the direction that they originally agreed upon because he said when when he stopped and picked her up he was like i can only take one of you and i guess she told him like this is where i need to go and he was like well it's a little bit out of my way but i can drop you at this intersection or at this interstate before this portion of my my route and she agreed to it so I'll get you. I'll get you part part of the way there. Is right. What he's saying. Right. Yeah. So she realized that he wasn't going the correct way, um, and this is when our story comes to a very important geographical area called Del Puerto Canyon, California. So once Mary realized that he wasn't going towards her destination, she obviously became like her senses were heightened. She was a little bit angry. She insisted that he turn the van around immediately. Um, she became uneasy, and she actually looked down and saw a surveyor stick on the floorboard near her feet. So she made note of this, and she Pause, was what's like... what's a surveyor stick? I should probably know this. I think it's like... Um, you know that when you're driving and you see people doing surveying of lands, and there's like the tripod, and it's got a pointy end, and it goes oh. into... Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So it's something like that that helps mark areas um, geographically, just in like a small lot. Okay. So she noticed the stick, and so she just made note of it in her head, and she's like, okay, like in case I need this, which tells you one thing. Like if you're thinking I need a weapon, like forget turning the van around. Like just let me out. Yeah. Let me out. So um, she obviously was not happy and – Singleton apologized. He said it, he is an honest man and he made an honest mistake. He agreed to turn the van around toward the direction in which she needed to go. So once they were on the right path again, it had just been a couple minutes and Singleton pulls the van over and told, told her that he needed to use the restroom. So he was like, hold on, stay here. I'll be right back. I'm just going to hop out and use the restroom. So she gets out of the van just to take a stretch and he heads towards the wooded area. She um, takes the opportunity to 
bent down because she noticed her shoelace was untied. So as she's bent down, Singleton comes up behind her and strikes her over the head with a sledgehammer. Where did he get the sledgehammer? I think it was in the van. Oh my gosh. So cracks her over the head with a sledgehammer, ties her hands together behind her back, and proceeds to brutally rape her in the back of his van on the side of the road. Um, he climbed. He then climbed naked back to the driver's seat and drove farther down the road until they reached Del Puerto Canyon, which is in California. And I looked at it on Google Maps. It's like um, the interstate that they were driving on and the road that they had to get off of to go to Del Puerto Canyon area is like a connecting road to another state road within California. So it looks like it's an area that you could easily get lost in, but even though it's just one road. So he drives to Del Puerto Canyon and all throughout this attack, he's forcing her to drink an unknown, an unknown substance that's making her fall in and out of consciousness. Oh, um, yeah. so I, I don't know. He was Some prepared. Yeah, he must have been planning this because his some reports said, but I don't know, some reports said that it was liquor and then some reports said that it was an unknown substance, so we don't really know what it is. Huh. Um, so once they reached the canyon, they were out of the view of the general public. Again, they're on this road that's very, very long and it connects to another state road, so it's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, he had more privacy to continue assaulting her. So the entire ordeal actually went on for hours and hours and um some of her, the quotes from different interviews that were done with Mary said that the entire time she was in, quote, searing pain and completely terrified, which I can't yeah, even, I can't I mean, imagine. sounds about right. That's terrifying. So she kept begging him to please let her free and that she wouldn't tell anyone, just please set her free. So he is angry by this because she keeps, I think she, at this point, she's probably annoying him, right? Um, he walks away, went to his toolbox, which is probably where he got the sledgehammer, came back over to where she was laying naked, exhausted, in pain. And he yells, you want to be free? I'll set you free. And he began swinging a hatchet at her left arm. Yeah. He severed it just below the elbow and then just started on her right arm. So he's just chopping her arms off. Yeah. Mary said that during the entire attack um, with the hatchet, she could feel everything. She was aware of everything. Um, before the attack was over, she said that she saw him, like, shaking and waving his own arm around. And she realized that it was because her hand from her arm that he had cut off was still holding on to his arm. No. Yes. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So she was, like, oh watching him try to shake her arm off of his. I'm spooked. Doesn't that, just, doesn't that give you the heaves? It so, really does. Yeah. So um, she was still holding on to him, and he was trying to just shake shake her arm off of him. And then after that, uh, he had chopped off both of her arms while she was literally just bleeding out on the side of the road. Um, he then rolled her down a 30-foot cliff within this canyon and stuffed her body into a concrete culvert. Wait, so she survived? Yeah. Sounds. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Isn't that crazy? Yes. Yeah. That so, is insane. So she's in this concrete culvert, um, which if I don't, if you don't know what that is, that's a, that's like the concrete pipes that they use for 
plumbing construction for large um large buildings so clearly he thought he was just like leaving her for dead and probably no one would find her but this asshole was wrong so and honestly based on how much blood loss mary endured she probably should have passed away there but um she said that no matter how tired she was she kept telling herself quote i can't go to sleep he's going to do this to someone else i can't let that happen bless you mary what like literally i said bless you mary like literally like that is a hero how is how is that where your mindset is right now it's not on i need to get out of this i need to survive just because i need to survive it's literally like i have to get out of here yeah so the most selfless thing i've ever heard but she was able to somehow muster up enough energy to wriggle her way out of the concrete pipe and then homegirl had enough mental to capacity to pack her wounds like both of her arms are chopped off and she's like oh i'm gonna bleed out i need to pack my wounds so she packs the wounds of what was left of her arms with mud and dirt and basically anything she could find from the earth to like make the blood bleeding stop is that well i guess to make the bleeding stop but then you i mean and i would be thinking infection, like infection. right yeah 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 that's where my that's where my head went to but i guess in her mind she's just like She's a better chance of surviving infection and getting to the hospital than she does just bleeding out right there. And that would not be my mindset. I'd be so no. scared of infection. Yeah, and I wouldn't dying. be thinking about it. Yeah. So um, she then listened to listened for traffic where she was at the bottom of this cliff to see like which direction the road was and how do I get up. So the traffic actually helped guide her up from the ravine. Um, she said it took hours, like almost an entire day to get up the side of the cliff without her arms. And in that state, that is I insane. Mean, well, could you imagine like, so and it well, in a court document, she actually said she was holding up her arms so that the muscles and blood would not fall out. So she's literally naked, two nubs, trying to climb up, a walking cliff, up the cliff, holding her arms, like what's left of her arms in the yeah. air. She, how yeah. did she have all this knowledge? I wouldn't think to do that either. No, she I have no smart. idea. I mean, so yeah. And think about it too. Like your balance must be off. Not only are you missing half of your appendages, but like they're in a, they're in an odd. Well, maybe the placement. fact that she was a dancer helped like with her balance and like. That's just, such a good point. I don't know if she was like that athletic. I don't know. Yeah. That's a really good point. So I'm basically um, toast if this happens to me. <laughs> You're done. <laughs> I'm done. I am not a survivor. My athletic abilities will not keep me alive. So she reaches the road. Um, and let me rem- remind you, again, she's nude. She's covered in blood and dirt. And her arms are half hacked. And they're raised over her head. She's in a panic. I can't even imagine what type of mental state she's in. So a red convertible with two men inside begin to slow down. Um, but when they actually saw her, when they got closer, they could see her more clearly and they sped off because they were scared. So I am not going to totally say I blame them. It is a frightening image. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's 100%. giving me, it's giving me like the hills has eyes, have hills has, the hills has eyes. It's giving me the, the hills, hills have, eyes. the hills have eyes vibes. vibes. Wow. That's hard to say. say that was really times, difficult. A tongue twister. I actually haven't even seen that movie. Don't. It's not your ty- it's not your type of scary movie. It's It's not your type of scary movie. I can tell you that right now. It's not my type of scary movie. 
Remember when our type of scary movie was um... Rose Red? <laughs> it's fine. It, it's only forty five minutes long. Okay, so not just Rose Red, but what was the other one? The not the Conjuring. We watched. Oh, oh, Insidious is amazing. Insidious is so good. So good. What a good night. We'll do it again. Yeah. So the two men in the convertible speed off because they're um, they're coming across this terrifying human being just crawling out of a ravine, right? So then her heroes arrived. So two women on vacation that were actually lost on this road. They happened upon her and they helped her into the truck that they were driving and they took her to a nearby airport where she was then shuttled to a hospital where she was treated for her injuries. But before she was able to like finish getting treated and leave the hospital, she was like, I'm going to get every single freaking detail of this attack and every single identifying feature of this individual to the authorities so that they can find him. So she's determined to just be as much help to the police as possible, Um, which props to you, girlfriend, because all I would want at that point is a shower and a a nice cozy bed. Um, Same. So the composite sketch that they were able to create off of her descriptions, it was so perfect that his neighbor actually recognized it immediately once it was released and called the police. And I have they, been always fascinated by composite sketch people. Isn't that isn't that such a interesting line of work? We should do an episode on it. Let's do it. I'll write it down. Because, yeah, it how how they get it so on the nose is beyond me. Like I do not understand how that happens. It's insane to me. Here we come to trial number one. So. Mary Vincent was present for the trial of the state of California versus Lawrence Singleton. At this time, Mary was trying to move on and she had been fitted with some badass prosthetic arms because your girl knows she needs some. So Singleton was called to the stand and after he was done testifying, he walked by where Mary was sitting and he whispered, if it's the last thing I do, I'll finish the job. So I also she, want to know, what did he even have to say? What is his test? Like, what is I, his testimony? I found a, a ginormous transcript, which I actually saved the link of it, and we can post it if we if we want to. But it was like, the grammar was just awful. Oh, of course, Larry. And like, I started reading it, and I was like, I can't. You're like, <laughs> I can't, I can't even this. decipher what he's saying. Well, like, oh, I tripped and fell, and it was an accident? Like Tripped and fell, to sax- it was an accident. That's yeah. what it was like oh my in my God. head. Yeah. So he you says this human to her. garbage. Just trash. He says this to her in the court courtroom, and of course she's upset, right? So she leaves, um, and it's just kind of sending her back into this. Well, she spiral. can't even shoot him a bird. Well, that's the thing. It's like she's trying in the process of trying to recover, and then you're just gonna like verbally stab her. Like, no, you don't yeah. have that. You don't have the right to do that. So. Yeah. In March of 1979, a San Diego jury convicted Lawrence Singleton of kidnapping, mayhem, attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation. At Singleton's sentencing, the judge stated, if I had the power, I would send him to prison for the rest of his natural life. Singleton was sentenced to, and I'm going to, I'm actually going to ask you what, how many years jail time do you think he was well, I was going to ask, so the judge says, if I had the power, I would send you to jail for the rest of your natural life. I would think that that's as long as he got. What he, were the, what were the, wait, what was it again? That they it was, 
kidnapping, mayhem, which, what? <laughs> Attempted murder, forcible rape, sodomy, and forced oral copulation. 20 years. He got 14 years jail time. No. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, it's the 70s. Yeah. That's not an excuse. Absolutely not an excuse. But, like, things were definitely different back then. Yeah. Um, so he got 14 years jail time at San Quentin. And Mary won the civil judgment of $2.65 million. But she was unable to collect it because he literally had nothing to his name. Did she at least get to take everything he did have? Like his shitty blue van? I don't think it was it worth fire? it. Like, I don't even think that, I think the van was negative money. Like they were probably like, just Listen, burning you'd the van be, would make me happy. You'd be in debt if you took his items. I think it was a situation like that. Wow. So that brings us to his time at San Quentin. So Singleton only served nine years of the and 11 months of the 14-year sentence that he was given. So he received early release for, quote, good behavior. And I'm using air quotes because, like, what could your good behavior, not, what constitutes good behavior? Good behavior for him is not chopping off girls' arms, which would be fairly easy to do in jail. Oh, good for you, Larry. Yeah. Gold star. Gold star lair. Given the fact that no one wanted him near any other normal human beings in the state of California, the governor of California actually ordered that he live in a trailer on the grounds of San Quentin for the duration of his first year of parole. Can you imagine? Like, I'm, I'm just imagining his... a weird his, requirement. It's bringing me back to visions of, like, holes. Like, I think that he's living mm -hmm. in a... Like, it feels like holes, right? But... I'm imagining his release day, like, all of his buddies being like, oh, you're just going over there? Okay. Like, we'll all wave, right, Lauren. We'll wave to you from yeah. the yard, Lair. <laughs> that's what I was like, just thinking. Like, I, can you throw me my Frisbee back, man? Like, yeah. that's the situation that's happening in San Quentin right now. So, um, after his one-year parole is up and he's able to leave the grounds of San Quentin, He's back to Florida. Good old, good old FL. So oh, sweet home. Uh, not being able to find much of a welcoming community to settle in out in California, Singleton then moves back to Florida. So he's running into trouble with the law as far as like petty theft um, in Florida. Before one day in 1997, a painter actually uh, witnessed him through a window beating a nude woman who was covered in blood. Larry, did yeah. we not learn our lesson the first time? Apparently not. Like he, I think there were some, there were some, uh, there was some research that I did that some people were saying, like there was a good chance that he was actually tied to way more murders than what he was convicted of and what oh, he I was. I bet you yeah. he was. Yeah, I think there was a, like a serial I think I recently read the statistic on, like, how many, like, murders go just completely unsolved, and it's shockingly high. It's disgusting. It's, it's really it's, frightening. It's awful. So, this poor painter is seeing this happening through a window, and I'm, and it, there wasn't enough details, like, I don't think he was, I don't think he was, like, painting his house. I think he might have been painting the neighbor's house, and, like, while he was walking by, like, saw it or something like that. So, Hillsborough County Police arrive to Singleton's residence, knock on the door, and see him answer covered in blood, completely covered in blood. 
Like, the police are at your door. And that's how you're gonna... You should just be like, nobody's home. <laughs> I can't hear you. Leave a message after the beep. Beep. <laughs> so, <laughs> so police find a 31-year-old, 31-year-old mother of three, Roxanne Hayes, brutally murdered in Singleton's couch. So apparently she was a sex worker and was in his home on business. She was. Um, he found her on Nebraska Avenue. It's fine. Probably. I, I guess he had solicited her for a sexual act for $20 and that's why she was in his home. Um, but it doesn't really matter why she was there. The fact is that he murdered her. So yeah, it's not good to murder anybody regardless of their occupation. Absolutely. So Singleton had stabbed her to death with a boning knife. Um, and there were photos of this boning knife online. Don't go look at it. I will. Um, yeah. So that brings us to trial number two. The news of this murder reached Mary, and the state of Florida actually flew her in to testify. Girl got a round trip to Florida. On American Airlines, just crammed in there. No free snacks. I'm kidding. Flying was probably much better back in the Flying 80s. in coach. Yeah. She's got her arms. I want her to have I want her to have first class. She deserves first class for the rest of her life now. <sighs> she deserves so many things. She does. So she was not required to testify, but she felt as though she had to from a personal standpoint, which I don't blame her. I would do the same thing. Oh, so I'd rip him a brand new butthole. I'd be like, hey, guess what? You're getting a new one. Here we go. You ready? All do right. Do you want to pick out where it's going? Yeah. Or... There you go. <laughs> so assistant state attorney Jay Pruner said that the brutality of Singleton's attack on Mary and the violent murder of Roxanne are the reason that it was recommended that Singleton be sentenced to death. Quote, unquote, 20 years ago, Mary Vincent got into Mr. Singleton's van. Some 20 years later, Roxanne Hayes got into Mr. Singleton's van. She, unlike Mary Vincent, did not survive her meeting with Lawrence Singleton. So sad. Makes me want to cry. Yeah, that is very sad. Mother of three. Like, she's just doing her job. Like, kills me. So... The aftermath. So on April 14th, 1998, Singleton was sentenced to life and was awaiting death row at North Florida Reception Center in Stark, Florida, He, di- which is where uh, Bundy was. That's where Bundy died. Um, they call it Old Sparky. So he died of cancer while there at age 74 on December 28th, 2001. So, so he basically died in jail while waiting the death penalty. Yeah. So he was sentenced in 98 and then he died in 2001. So he was really only in jail for a total, if you count the sentencing that he had for the case with Mary Vincent, he was really only in jail for like about 11 years wow. total, which is what his sentencing, which is not what his sentencing was for Mary. Sorry, I can't do math. It's less. Yeah, because he was sentenced to 14 years, and he right. only spent around 11 or maybe 12 years total like in total. jail wow. before he died. That's insane. So in 1997, a news article from the Los Angeles Times came out, it's, and Mary stated that she was struggling with nightmares, negative thoughts, all to be expected, right? Um, so yeah, that's totally this, normal, I would think. Yeah, and, and that article actually came out before she testified. Um 
or around the same time. So you can imagine that like, he's just like the actual assault happens. The first trial happens. He makes a statement to her in the courtroom and then he's sentenced and then she's able to like try to start a new life. And then this happens. She hears about it. She's flown down to testify. She has to face him. Like, I can't imagine, like, she's just getting pushed back into this awful cycle of what is probably similar to PTSD, if not actual PTSD, right? I would definitely think it'd be PTSD, for for sure. sure. You could get PTSD from that, absolutely. So, she was also struggling financially, and after a recent divorce, was forced to live in an abandoned Arco station with her sons. That is not okay with me at all. No. She is a hero and should have just, yeah, no. Like, living in a abandoned gas station. So, some articles that I read about this said that it was, like, the time that she had to move there, it was in the winter, and I guess they were living in a part of California where winters were really harsh, but then summers were really bad too so she literally like they didn't have heat they didn't have air conditioning like i i can't imagine it makes me want to cry so mary is actually now a successful self-taught artist she has used her art to cope with the past and have a positive outlook moving forward that's awesome yeah she has a house now i'm assuming she's no longer homeless believe she has a home yes Yes. i think she's out of the arco station that's good so um i have some photos i'm gonna share with you really quick of her being an artist and we're gonna share these on our instagram i would assume yes wait here i'll show you first i'll show you the photo of her at 15 that was like right after the attack isn't she gorgeous she's beautiful she looks like a model for like the 60s and 70s. Like her yeah, hair. Yeah, she does. Oh, wait. And then this is a photo of her being an artist. Oh, my gosh. Isn't that great? She said that, she said that for the longest time, she couldn't even draw a straight line. And I guess like one night she couldn't sleep. She was having like really bad, like negative thoughts. And she got up and she like drew a self-portrait. And she's like, oh, it's not that bad. And she just kept oh my gosh. drawing and painting. And look at this. Isn't that a gorgeous painting? That is beautiful. Like, I would hang that in my house. Oh, absolutely. It's so pretty. So, and then this is just a photo of her just being a bamf, if you can see that. Okay, well. See how pretty she is? Yeah, she is pretty. She's gorgeous. So, the silver lining, um, if there is any, right? So... After the first trial in California, Mary was able to push for what is now called the Singleton Bill to be passed, which ceases early release of criminals who used torture during their crime, and it allowed for a 25-to-life sentence to be required. So, For which kinds of crimes? So any type of violent criminal that used, quote-unquote, torture during their, okay. during their crime. It's... Um, listed under the Singleton Bill that they are required to receive at least 25 to life. and I mean, it makes absolute sense. Yeah, and I don't know. I couldn't find if that was nationwide or if that was just in the state of California. Are bills passed statewide or is it strictly national? Do you know? 
That's a very good question. We should have phoned a friend. Let me see if I can find out. Okay. But that's the silver lining. So I'm hoping I think bills are passed nationwide. Yeah. I don't know. We should know this. We this is what we need, Sarah Allen. Oh, oh gosh. It just Schoolhouse Rock just came up. No, no, turn it off. Turn it off. I'm I'm PTSD. (laughs) I will not. I will not play it. (laughs) Um, a bill becomes a law. It does have to go up to Washington to become a bill, a apparently. A bill. I'm just a bill. Sitting on Capitol Hill. I can't. Yeah. But look at Larry. Isn't he the ugliest piece of shit you've ever seen? Uh, Larry is garbage. And Look at this one. This is him when he's young. Like, aren't you supposed to be attractive when you're younger, Larry? Like, what's wrong with you? Like, look Larry, at that. you are literally just... But look at her so proud with her new arms. Yeah. She's rocking it. She's rocking yeah. a look. So that is the amazing survival story. What are your thoughts, Julie? Um, my thoughts are that Mary is basically a saint and an angel. And yeah, I just, we don't let our friends get in vans of strangers. I know. It, this one's hard because back then it was just like such a different time and that was actually a reasonable means of transportation like yeah i mean we've all seen forrest gump right so but it's also just so hard to listen to the things that happened to her and like see how she's come out of it because it's not just like the physical assault that happened like after like afterwards like she was married got divorced it was such a bad divorce that she was displaced like that that's what that really kills me I mean yeah it's um and like the thing about it where we're talking about like don't get into the van and like why would you take a nap it's it is so hard to say because Mm -hmm. those choices that she made it doesn't make what happened to her acceptable like you know like it's it's I don't know it's it's very 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 hard because yeah we don't we don't victim blame but we also say don't get into cars with strangers yeah and I think that like you said it being the seventies like being back in a time when like wasn't Ted Bundy like the first like major televised serial killer yeah so and this I think was pre Ted Bundy is what it sounds like um, it was it or before it that was in the, oh yeah. it was not well. The it was in the this was in the eighties. No, I'm talking no, about No 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 seventy eight, sorry. Oh, so seventy eight though. Maybe Ted Bundy wasn't. Ted the Bundy was closer to like seventy nine eighty. Um yeah, so it's all around the same time, but I just know that like the Ted Bundy case was such a big deal. Um, and it was because it was kind of the first time you know, something like that was like all in the media. Plus people always forget that when the Ted Bundy case was all over the news most people didn't think he did it. Like most people oh. thought he was innocent. Do you, he was do you remember and seeing he was those? And... The, there were those like news clips of women back in the eighties that were like, "He's just so handsome. There's no way he could have done it." Yeah, like, like I don't think he did, and it's not him. Like he's people so didn't charming. Believe it. I just love him. Like, so even no. though there was all this coverage of like the serial killer around that time, the person that you know, was under trial, many people thought that he was innocent and he wasn't. Of course, we know that now. But, like, I mean, you know, what if we didn't have 
you know, all over our news media all the time about the bad people that are out there and the bad things people do, maybe we would be more trusting to get into a car with somebody if like we right. didn't, we're conditioned now to be afraid, which I think is a good thing um, because of the things that we hear and the access that we have to information about bad people and the bad people that are out there and the things they've done. So, I mean, you've got to think about, I mean, I know this is obvious, but like this is pre-internet right. at all. It's pre-internet. It's pre-forensics. Cell phones. Right. Yeah. I mean, so they're out there with their cash and that's it. There was a, she was on an episode of I Survived. Um, I haven't watched it yet because I didn't want it to like, I don't know. I feel like some of those stories, it's just so easy to basically just retell the story that they. Yeah. Right. So I was waiting to um, do this episode before I watched it, but there were some articles that I read that were quoting things that she said from that episode. And there were just like pictures and like videos of her just like breaking down. And I'm just like, no, like, I also think it's crazy. I mean, I'm glad that she could remember it in such detail, but I feel like I would like mentally black out of what happened. Oh, oh yeah. Or maybe by now. And I, I almost hope by now she doesn't really remember it very well. Like, part of me hopes that she's blocked it from her memory, mm-hmm. and maybe that those were just testimonies from, like, you know, right when she got to the hospital and we're talking to the police, and it was fresh in her mind, and so she That's true. recounted everything in such detail, and I would really hope at this point that she does not remember it to that extent, and it's not, like, haunting her. Absolutely, yeah. But I, I mean, know. I have a hard time remembering adverse conversations and confrontations. I black out when I order at chick-fil-a so the <laughs> fact that she's able to just remember <laughs> i know i mean uh, she must have been thinking in that moment like i need to remember as much of this as possible so i can tell somebody what happened but i don't know i would just have the thought like i'm gonna die here like i, I need know, to survive i don't yeah. know if i have the as much of a survivor's in not instinct but just drive i guess yeah. Maybe I would in that, in that situation, though. Maybe we all think that we wouldn't. And then in that situation, maybe you do think that you would have it's that drive. It's kind of that, that fight or flight reaction. Like, well, you, right. And then how your adrenaline affect, affects that as well. And, like, it just kicks in. Like, there's so many, like, movies you watch or, like, stories you hear about. And, like, okay, they, you know, they always say that if you ever are to be, like, abducted, you are supposed to, like, fight to the death every single second to try to get away and like scratch and claw and you know there's that fear of like if I do this you know this person's gonna kill me right but then statistically people in law enforcement say yeah but if they get you from point a to point b they'll probably still kill you and no one will know where you are so like what was that movie with Abigail Breslin where he puts her in the trunk oh uh, that one was terrifying because she's leaving the mall with her friends in broad daylight do we remember this She's in a parking garage. She's literally in a parking garage. And she's like, the story is she's like leaving the mall. She's with her friends. It is broad freaking daylight. And this guy drives by in a car, like jumps out and shoves her in the trunk and drives away. And it's like two o'clock in the afternoon. That is truly terrifying. The call. It's called the call. Is it the call? Yeah. Cause that's right. Cause I think somehow she gets her phone and she's like on the phone with the cops or her mom or something. And they're like, yeah, punch out the taillight and wave your hand. Like, but she fights the entire time, and that's, like, I think what ends up... Obviously, that's a movie, not a real story, but... 
they yeah, do say she's that that's old. What she's older to. in this movie too. It was more recent. It was like 2013. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's not like little. She's not baby. like a little girl. She's, she's like not a little Miss teenager. Sunshine. Have a girl person. Yeah, she's like yeah. a teenager. Um, but I guess I mean, and it sounds like that's what Mary was doing. Is she was just, I guess, in the moment, like during her attack. You know, there's probably not a lot she could do to fight, and maybe she had to conserve some energy. But like once he left, like I don't know if you know in that moment. If I would be thinking, like, I need to make it up this ravine so I can get help, I'd probably be sitting there like, I'm going to wait for someone to find me. Because I'd be too afraid to, like, emerge from where he would had put me in case he was still there. I don't know. That's such a good point. Maybe she probably, maybe she heard him leave. But she said she was, like, in and out of consciousness that entire time she was in that the concrete pipe like she was like fall, she would like fall asleep and like have to like force herself to wake up because she's yeah. like if I fall asleep I will bleed out and I will die well that and like yeah I mean I'm sure a lot of it was also just like mental yeah. like I'm sure it was just like I don't know so that's the story of Mary Vincent a badass motherfucker is she still I said it. it's okay is she still alive <laughs> today she is okay she is and she's thriving as an artist so we will post some amazing photos of mary and of her art and then we'll pick one really bad photo of larry to post at the very end because they're all bad but we'll pick the worst one yeah the worst one um so if you have any questions or if you want to talk about mary vincent you can email us at spaghettiheadpodcast.outlook.com you can follow us on Instagram at Spaghetti Heads Podcast. And then you can follow us on Twitter at Spaghetti underscore Heads. Is there any other places, Julie? I think that's it. Instagram, Twitter, Outlook. You did it. You did the thing. Oh, you did I a good did job. it. Look at you. Oh. All right. All righty. Well, cheers. Cheers. Clink, clink, clink.